I do love being here, and I have known John since I was about two or three years old, and and that's been been almost you know six or seven years now. I don't know, but um, uh, there's so many so many things, so many uh, moments in my life, in my development, in my following of Christ, have been interwoven with all of you that it's. If you feel like home, you don't feel, I don't feel like a visitor here uh, because over the years there has been so much of your love and life uh, that God has put in me and I've been pleased to perhaps share some of mine with you, but it, you feel like home. I would be remiss if I don't greet you from Keith and Cherry. Uh, you know, they are doing very well. They are... We're growing together still. Keith and I meet regularly, and uh, we have received a prophetic word from some of the people in Zimbabwe, and we're trying to figure out what that means and apply it together. But we continue to grow together, continue to grow uh, in seeking God and always in our love for you. So I, mean, I would be in trouble with Keith if I got home and I did not greet you uh, on his behalf. So here we are, and I have a few things that I'd like to share with you this, this morning. Over the years, there's kind of been a, a progression that what we have been learning together has moved, right? has developed, has emerged, has grown. And we keep coming back to the same thing. Theme, And if you have been here when I have been here in the past, you will recognize that that theme is the kingdom of God. It is by far the most significant thing that God has been calling us to pay attention to in some, for some time. It's a common concept that is completely at times misunderstood by the Christian world. There are those of us, because Matthew's translation calls it the kingdom of heaven, who think that the emphasis is on heaven. Right? And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking really about what happens after life on earth is done. But Matthew uses the word heaven because in his culture amongst the people he was ministering, you were not permitted to say the name God. It would be considered an offense. And so because you were not allowed to name the name God, you would talk of his home as an analogy. And so he calls it the kingdom of heaven because in his culture it would be considered inappropriate to call it the kingdom of God. It's the same. It's not talking about what happens when life on earth is done. It perhaps includes that, but that's not the emphasis. And over the years we have understood, we have grown as we've understood the scriptures and and began to look at these things carefully. We come to understand that the kingdom of God happens, arrives, shows up any time God takes action 
and takes what is not good and turns it good. That any place, any time, anywhere that God encounters that which is not good and brings it to good, the kingdom of God has come. Anytime God takes what is not good, and there's a lot in our world that is not good, anytime God encounters what is not good and brings good to life, the kingdom of God has come. That is an amazing difference in the way we look at it. Any place, any time in my life when what is not good in Mark McGrath is encountered by God and he makes what is not good in me good, the kingdom of God has come. In my marriage, when there is not good flowing between my wife and I and God visits us and brings good, the kingdom of God has come. In my neighborhood, where there is not good happening in relationships amongst my neighbors, and God comes and brings good to us, the kingdom of God has come. It's that powerful, that basic at the same time. It's this divine elegance. It's this simple complexity. It's this powerful humility not good is swallowed up in good the kingdom of God has come this was the overwhelming promise in the Old Testament announced in the ministry of Jesus and lived out amongst the apostles. It is the story of the whole of the scriptures. That God looks at our world and he sees things that were once good and are no longer good. And he says, I want to change that. I want to bring good here, now you that's the kingdom of God that's the good news that's the glad tidings that we anticipate as we approach the Christmas season it's the joy to the world this is what it means to be kingdom people We have this passion. Dare I say it, we almost have this divine hatred of that which is not good. I hate what is not good. When your children are little, you teach them, you don't hate anything. And the wise child says, well, can I hate the devil? And you're stuck. But we're allowed to hate that which is not good. In fact, there's something not good about not hating what is not good. 
that itself, that passive mindset, that ability to look at the world around me and not care anymore, that's not good. That needs the kingdom to come. I'm supposed to hate what's not good. I am a divine lover, but I am also a divine hater. Not something you hear in most places. So this is the emphasis that, we, that God has been teaching us over the years. If you're kind of new to us, and it may sound strange, but if you've been around for a while, you, you realize over the years God has been calling us to pay attention to these things. To let the truth of the scriptures impact the way we look at life. The way we evaluate what we do, why we do it, how we do it. These are very deep things. And I want to focus this morning briefly on a concept taken again from the words of Jesus. And I'm wanting to read out of Matthew chapter 13. But I'm I'm looking at a bunch of things. This this is the middle of this passage. Jesus is in the middle of some teaching. And the first part of Matthew chapter 13, he is teaching the multitudes. He is teaching some people who are following him, some people who are not following him. He's teaching some people who have a strong religious tradition that is uh, the same as his. And there are people who are uh, more uh, hyper uh, intensive about their practice of their religion and those who are more passive about it. But he's got this broad spectrum of people that he's speaking to in the first part of the chapter. And when that teaching time is over, he takes those who are his committed followers aside and he asks them, do you get this? Do you understand what I've just said? And the last half of the chapter, he builds on making sure they get it and adding more to them. So the first half of the chapter is to the general public, so to speak. The last half of the chapter is to his followers. And then he kind of sums it all up in, I'm just going to read the summation, and then we're going to pick at some of the pieces. Is that fair? Otherwise, I'd have to read the whole chapter, and you'd fall asleep before I finish. All right, so verse 51, this is the end of that session. This is the end of that moment recorded here by Matthew. In verse 51, he says these words have, to his disciples now. Have you understood these things? All the things. Did you get it, guys? Did you get it? And they said to him, yes. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. If you, as a scribe, meet someone who has paid attention to your faith, scribes are the people who pay attention to what they believe. They're diligent about it. They study. They want to be sure they understand. They have been adherents 
to Christianity, or in that case to Judaism, for a while. But it's possible to be strongly religious in your faith and not be a disciple of the kingdom. It is possible to be strong in your Christianity, to be certain that you believe the Christian faith and not be a disciple of the kingdom. Jesus is saying, if you get what I'm saying to you guys, if you get this, then you understand that every person who is serious about their faith, who becomes a disciple of the kingdom, can take from their treasure things they already know and add to that things they are just learning and make a huge difference. They can take things they already have learned in the past Add to them things they are now learning and make a huge difference. It all hinges on whether you are a disciple of the kingdom. A disciple is someone who is committed to learn. A disciple is someone who has taken the posture of a follower. They are people who are acknowledging they do not have all the answers. That's why it's difficult for people who have been devoted to their faith to become disciples. Because I already know. I've studied. I go into circles and I feel obligated to take these other people and make them like me. I have answers, not questions. It's very difficult for some people to become disciples of the kingdom. I I don't know all of you. I know many of you. My challenge for you today is what I'm really after is a renewed commitment on your part to be a disciple of the kingdom be a learner so that's really what I'm asking you to do that's fair warning I do a lot of work in the medical arena I train physicians in communicating scientific data medical data one of the things they always have to do is they have to present a fair and balanced presentation right I gotta say here's the here's the upside here's the downside so here's the downside I'm going for you today I'm admitting it up front I want you not because I think you haven't been there. I'm not trying to make any judgment. I really am not. I only know that in my own heart and life, I have to stay diligent to be a disciple of the kingdom. Or all that I do is take out of my treasure things that I have already learned. Are you with me? And I I love what I have already learned. I've learned it. I love it. God has taught me many, many things. I have, my life is so different and so much better than it ever was before. I like my life. But I understand it's not enough. I need new things that God is teaching me. 
Yes? I want both. And I want to be a disciple of the kingdom. So if you're going to be a disciple of the kingdom, there are many things, but there are two that I want to cover today. Right? So there's two things that I want. The first thing that a disciple of the kingdom must do is embrace the kingdom's plan. You have to embrace the kingdom's plan. That is taken from a parable that Jesus taught the multitudes. And I want to just, for the sake of time, not read the parable as it was explained to the public, but the interpretation of the parable as it was explained to his followers. Because when he finishes that set of parables to the world, to the general public, he brings his disciples aside and they say, what did that mean? Time out, time out, Jesus. That thing about the sower, what was that about? And I want to read his explanation to them and highlight just a couple things. And that's going to start in verse 36, same chapter 13. Uh, please just listen. And, and then he left the multitudes and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares and of the field. And he answered and said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And as for the good seed, ready? These are the sons of the kingdom. The good seed in the parable of the sea, of the tares, is people. There are other places where he uses that analogy where the seed is a word. But in this case, the seed is not the word. The seed is the people. What God is planting in the world is people. That's the plan of the king. And first century agricultural practices, right? You would have this bag of seed. If you were a farmer, you would have a bag of seed. You would be walking through the field. You'd pick out from the bag of seed and you'd scatter it. You'd just throw it around. You'd just seed everywhere. And then what you would do is then you would plow that field so that all of the seed gets plowed underground. You just throw it anywhere. And then when it's all out, when the bag is empty, then you just plow it under. God's plan for seeing the kingdom grow is to take me and you and throw us away from each other. You see this meeting this morning? This is bag o seed gathering. Right? This is bag o seed. Right? Here we are, all us seeds hanging out together. Hey, seed, how you doing? You look all weedy. You look weedy too. Let's worship God. Hallelujah for the wheat. Hallelujah, we are wheat. 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 Oh, wasn't that? And then, and then someone stands up in the front and puts wheat fertilizer on us. Oh, man, I am learning to drink deeply of the fertilizer. Perhaps that's probably not the best analogy, but you get the idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that actually might be a value judgment, but I'm not trying to make one. It's bag of seed time. It's all of us sweet seeds encouraging each other, blessing each other, worshiping the seed maker, learning the sweet seed feed. Safer than fertilizer. It's bag of seed. And there are most, there are many ministries who feel like the biggest job I can get is to get the most seeds together of anybody else in my town. I have the biggest bag of seed of all the other churches. How many seed are in your meetings? When you go to pastor's meetings, they're comparing seed bags. I don't go to pastor's meetings anymore. I won't. Because it's just a seed bag inspection. You know what? You can have a whole lorry load of seed. You can have the biggest, you can have the mother load of wheat seed stored in the lorry in your, you know, driveway. Woohoo! Look at all the seed we have. Whoa! Imagine the harvest we'll have if the seed ever hits the ground. Oh, oh well. If I throw the seed into the ground, it might, it might go wrong. So instead, I want my seed to go through more discipleship training. I'm going to really have fun with you this morning. Come on. Come on. Let me get away with it. Come on. Be nice to me. I'm going home tomorrow. We need seed training two. Because seed training one, we still might lose a seed. And then we need send it off to seed college. So we have now graduates of seed college. We have the best trained, smartest seed in the lorry. Hmm? Hmm? Now you've been around Lifeline Church. You don't really so much have that attitude, but you, there's a lot of churches out there that that's the attitude. We have the best trained, smartest seed. They can speak wheat Greek. Yeah, it's wonderful seed. We have it all on display in our seed display unit. It's wonderful. And one day the seed will die and go to heaven. And it'll be hosted in the seed memorial. That's not what God made seed for. That's not why you were born again. It's not why you were rescued. It's not why he touched your life. It's not why he healed you. 
relationally or emotionally or physically. It's not why he taught you what you have learned. He never gave that to you so you could hang out in the seed bag, jostling with other seed. And then every once in a while, seed one has a fight with seed two and we have to have seed restoration. And we get finer and finer nuances of meaning to make sure we have the absolute best seed. But none of that accomplishes the plan of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is designed to grab the seed you have. I wonder what that sounds like on tape. I got two more seeds in here. What? Don't keep those seeds in the bag. Get it all out. And now, lonely seed. Lonely seed. Isolated seed in university, in the office, in the neighborhood, on the trains. There's lonely seed. He says, yeah, 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 we're not done yet. See all that lonely seed out there? Watch. (laughs) Now you can't even find them. They're buried. How do you think the seed feels? Huh? How how I feel like, "I'm, I'm, 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 I'm not ready for this. I don't know the Greek word for seed yet. What if I get in the dirt and I like it? What if the dirt wins? Can I go back? Well, here's the good news. You actually can go back once or twice a week. You get a seed bag meeting. (laughs) Why are we called to meet together? Because seeds need that. And then I got to get back to my hole in the dirt. I'm supposed to live in the dirt. I'm supposed to live where it's dark. I'm supposed to live where it's damp. I'm supposed to live where where it's lonely. I'm supposed to live my life there because that's where not good lives. The plan of the king is to take seeds and put it in the middle of the dirt. But the good news, the graciousness of the king is that he calls us to gather and it's mostly Sunday mornings for many and sometimes once or twice where the seed jumps out of the dirt, runs in, shakes the dirt off, gets back in the meeting. Okay, see you later. I gotta go back to the dirt. I say, people, oh, I would just love to work in a company where everyone is a Christian. <laughs> huh? Have you thought that? Yeah, some of you have. I just want a job where I get paid to be seed. Oh, it's so bad out there. All of the dirt is dirty. All the dirt is dark. Nobody there even respects my seedosity. 
In fact, they make fun of seeds. I have a little mustache. I'm not a seed. I'm a mustachioed um, pea. Hmm? I can't wait for the next seed bag meeting. Get it? Listen carefully. Don't despise the seed bag meetings. It's why it's what we need, but it's not where we're supposed to live. It's why God says, "Don't neglect the gathering together. Don't forget to come together." Don't forget to worship. Don't forget to encourage each other. Don't forget to exhort each other. Don't forget to pray for each other. Because it is rough out there in the dirt. But please remember, when that's done, get back to the dirt. Will you embrace? Will you embrace, not endure, the plan? And the plan is to sow you in the dirt. Will you embrace it? Tolerate it? Try to escape it? Dream of a day when all you do is hang out with seed? God loves us. He loves you. He loves you. But he also loves this world. And he hates when not good is left to run unchallenged. So he has a plan. It's to pick you up and throw you in the field. It's to pick you up, throw you in the field. It's to pick you up, throw you in the field. Pick you up, throw you in the field. And cover you over with dirt. Life is very busy for us. And it's sometimes difficult. I, uh, please, I am not denying this. That it's sometimes difficult to balance my love for community and seed fellowship with my need to be in the dirt. All right? It's a challenge. We're very busy people. Life is moving much faster than it has ever moved at any other time. And it's not going to get better. We used to have one challenge. Ready? I'm going to throw this out at you. One application. One simple application. When we gather together for Sundays, if you've been around for any length of time, you probably come to the meeting with a list of people you have to talk to. Yes? I got to see them about this. I got to ask them about that. I got to ask them about that. I got to ask you. Because if I don't do that, then it's 19 phone calls, 36 emails, and three and a half hours worth of time. So if I get it all done on Sunday morning, tick, 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 I bought myself some time. So the meetings are over, and watch yourselves. You all scramble for each other. Are we okay for Tuesday? How about, could you bring it? And we, we do business. Here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Seed. Here's my challenge. Seed. Give us four minutes at the end of the meeting. Four minutes only. 
And in that first four minutes when the meeting is done, talk to somebody you don't need to. Just talk to somebody you may not even know yet. Give me four minutes. All of the new people who come to anything that you do, they're out of there in the first four minutes. Yes or no? Mostly. <laughs> Done. This means over. I'm out of here. I don't know anybody. So in that first four minutes, before they all scatter, before you do a single thing of business, if the meeting is over and somebody comes up to do business, and say, Wait, I need three more minutes. I got, I got three more minutes to go. I can't talk to you for three minutes. Be diligent and just find somebody you don't normally talk to and greet them. How are you? What's going on? My name's Mark. It's just nursery school dirt. Because they're not dirt here. It's nursery school dirt. Practice saying something you don't, to people you don't know yet. Four minutes. Give me four minutes. Four minutes. Time yourself. It doesn't take long. Find somebody you don't normally talk to, that you don't have any business to do with. You just want to say, hi, how are you? Four minutes. And then try to get your business done. Fair? Business has to get done. I get it. So give me four minutes. That's seed discipleship. Will you embrace the plan? Where are you? Where have you been sown? Where has the Son of Man thrown you? University? College? Work? Neighborhood? Where has he thrown you? The first step of being a disciple of the kingdom is to embrace where you have been thrown. The second step. So the first one is that passage there where we are thrown into the field. The second step of the kingdom follows that. In chronology of the story, I'm going to go back to verse 31 because I read you the explanation of what came in verse 24. But now I want to read the second part because we have to embrace the plan. We have to expect the power of the kingdom. Embrace the plan of the king and expect the power of the kingdom. Verse 31, and he presented another parable to them. This is to the, the, the public. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in the field. Hey, we know that analogy. We know that analogy. He just gave that parable in the sentence before. The kingdom of heaven is like a sea, a mustard seed, which the man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. It is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants, and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And he spoke another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. Here's the power of the kingdom. You are a small seed. You aren't perfect. 
You aren't great. You aren't mighty. You may have struggles. You may have questions. You may have doubts. You may have needs. You may have hurts. You may have pain. You may have struggles of every kind. It doesn't matter to God because the seed he sows might be the smallest in the dang garden. But when it grows... But when the power that is within that seed is unleashed, it becomes a tree. It becomes a tree so that birds nest in its branches. There is just a little leaven that gets put in the loaves, just a little tiny bit. It gets swallowed up. It gets ignored. You don't even know that it's leaven anymore. It just gets absorbed into the thing around it. But it goes to work the minute it gets in there. It starts to change things. The leaven, little leaven, changes everything. Little seed becomes a tree in the garden. That's the power of the kingdom. You are small. You are tiny. There is not much that you might look in the mirror and say, I am really hot stuff. You might say, I don't know how to talk well. I don't know how to explain Jesus. I'm not even sure I know how to pray. I'm not sure how to love. I'm not sure how to give. I still struggle with whether I have, with my doubts. I'm not even sure what I always believe half the time. But here I am, God, in the middle of this field of dirt. And I am going to say, let me grow because I want to change this world I'm in. It's not enough for me to ignore the darkness. I want to grow and change that. Let your kingdom come here with me in this place. Who sits around you in class? Whose cubicle is next to yours? Who sits with you in the train every single morning? You see the same stinking face. Whose neighbors do you, do you encounter on a regular basis? Who people, who what people have, have your lives crossed with? Look up and stop contemplating your smallness and start to believe the power that is within you, the power of a tree, the power of leaven, the power to make a difference even if you get completely ignored and absorbed. There is someone in you that is destined to change the history of your office, of your train ride, of your classroom, of your neighborhood. That's why you are where you are. That's why you are placed where you have been placed. And you can look at yourself and say, there's not much here. I'm not that good. I'm not that strong. I've tried that and it never has seemed to work well for me. I failed more than I have succeeded. I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed the Lord. I've embarrassed the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it up. Get over it. I got news for you. God isn't worried that you embarrassed him. He's not insulted. He's he's planted you somewhere. Will you embrace that? Will you grow there so that you can bring good to what is not good? You don't have to bring a lot of good. Some. You just see the pain in your co-workers' eyes. You pray, give me a chance, Lord, just to show them that I care about them. You don't have to preach the gospel to them. You don't have to do an altar call and lay hands on them and pray in tongues out loud at the office. 
you can give them the life of the kingdom. You can share your heart. And slowly something starts to move. It, it doesn't pop up. You know, here's the thing. In Israeli culture, in the time of Jesus, they expected the kingdom of God to come in one big fell swoop. It would be dark, and then it would be light. That's why when Jesus went to the cross and died, it confused their view of the kingdom. Because they weren't expecting it to come by going into the ground and dying. They were expecting it to come with announcement of triumph. But even Daniel, when he prophesied in the Old Testament, remember the statue, the tall, strong statue of all of the kingdoms of this world. How was it crumbled? It was crumbled by a little rock that hit its foot. Not a big deal. But that little rock that strikes the foot of the tall statue, something changes. and The statue starts to crumble from the feet up. And it collapses. You are that little stone in your office. You are that little leaven on your train ride. You are that little leaven in your class. You're the stone that hits in a little boys' school in Sierra Leone, and that stone begins to crumble. The powers of corruption and perversion that rob their own population of the very things they need most. There's a little stone. It's just a bunch of boys. They used to be soldiers. They're really nobodies. They're failures by everybody's eyes. They're feared by some. Misunderstood by others. It's just a little tiny stone. Boom! Thrown at the foot of this really large thing. And what's good is it going to do? And something starts to shake. Something starts to crumble. And this tragedy happens in their world. And who's the only stone left? It's that little stone of those boy soldiers who were planted there really through no choice of their own. They got covered in the dirt of Sierra Leone in life. And here they are, saving lives. Half the time not even sure what they're doing is good. You know them. They're not arrogant. There's this little tiny stone just a little bit of leaven. They've been there for decades before this moment was needed. Decades they have been growing there. And now the moment arrives and something crumbles. The power of the kingdom is released. Embrace, embrace the plan. Don't fight it. You're supposed to be out there, scattered. Don't neglect the seed gatherings. Don't neglect them, but let's not call them home. They're the holiday seed goes on. They're the restoration moments that seed is is afforded by a gracious heavenly father. He says, come together, meet with me as a family so I can minister to you and encourage you and strengthen you and then go back to where I sent you. That's what church is all about. That's why we meet in groups. That's why we pray for each other. That's why we do everything that we do. It's not so that we can have more of those, but so that we can have the Father can minister to the seed family, and then we can send them back out to the place he sent us. 
Embrace the plan. Embrace the plan. And then expect the power. It will arrive. You don't know when. It will arrive because God hates not good. He hates not good. And when that moment arrives, this little pebble that is you, this little nobody, this little scared, nervous, not certain, I don't know if I'm really up for it, what if I fail, kind of a little seed, continues to grow. And soon those around me come to nest in the branches because there's something good about a tree in a garden. That's you. There's something good about you. There's something good about you. Something good about you. Embrace, expect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, I, always find it tempting to hang out in the seed bag. People know me well. People love me. I know my role. It's just so much easier. But I understand I want to be a disciple of the kingdom. I want to pull out of my treasure things that you are teaching me today as well as things that you have taught me yesterday. I want to be a disciple of the kingdom. Help me to embrace your plan to spread me out, to cover me in darkness, to let me die in that soil so that a tree can grow. I want that, Lord, because I'm learning to hate not good. I'm learning to hate it. And if it's ever going to change, then I have to be good there. I have to bring good with me. I volunteer myself as your son to be a disciple of the kingdom. I repent for where I resist or just tolerate where you have placed me. I embrace that wholeheartedly without regret and say, where I am, let your kingdom Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you, Mark. There's been a very um, clear, consistent uh, theme about what God has been saying to us in recent days, and different ones have come and brought, and it's about this issue of giving. And I'm hearing the same thing again today. Uh, the giving of ourselves uh, in the uh, almighty purpose of God. Uh, giving of ourselves for the sake of uh, the places that God has put us. And of course, uh, just towards the end, Mark spoke, used that uh, illustration. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, the way God has worked there and we've had the joy of being involved there in Sierra Leone. And that which is the least 
that which is, what should we say, the rejects. Remember, what we started there was when Richard found that those boys were basically either being cast out or locked up and throw away the key because they didn't know what to do with them, having been fighting in the bush and involved in so many atrocities. The very thing that seemed the least. Would that be something, <laughs> it really is at the moment, something that God is using. Um, when agencies are seeing the significance of a grassroots work that is based in the community and embraced by the community and expressing the community. That's a very interesting challenge. But that's then what God's speaking to us is about how we might give ourselves, how we might be that seed which is sown and where we are sown and how we can uh, bloom where we're planted uh, in a very special way. Thank you very much, Mark.